All right, we are Pun Pals. I'm Tom. I'm Jake. <laughs> Welcome back. This is episode six. Woohoo! I guess uh, we're right in the formula now. We talk about stuff. stuff. Stuff that's related to us. And nobody else. That's right. It's... Uh, it's curious why you're listening, but maybe yeah. maybe you just like us. Maybe. There are podcasts out there, for political <laughs> commentaries and stuff. Bugger that. <laughs> just listen to us talk about our remedial lives. We, we do. We comment on some stuff. <laughs> with an uninformed opinion. <laughs> with uninformed opinions. You get to hear about our dating life. Well, in my case, my partner and my, my son. Uh, you get to hear all about all of that stuff. Yeah. Hopefully it's worth it to these people, these uh, these crazy listeners from around the world who Fingers are sticking crossed. it out. Have we got any listeners? <laughs> we do. I checked. Oh, I checked. There. We're famous. There's literally people in a whole bunch of different countries. Hello to you people. Hello. No one's written in yet, though. You know, we are Australian, if you didn't know. We're from Tasmania. That's yes. the lower island on the bottom of Australia. Provided that your map has Tasmania on it. <laughs> Lots of maps don't, you see. Yeah, that's that's true, that's true, Jack. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tell me about life in the life. Wait. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about life. Tell me about what you've been up to. <laughs> wow. You, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you took a long time to get there. Yeah. I've been up to so much. I had a great day yesterday. Great. I've had a fair bit of work come in, which is good, good. news. As everyone knows, last episode I was a little bit, a little bit feeling the pressure. Got to make some money. Had a few jobs come in. Yesterday, I was mixing a EP of classical music, and it's awesome music. And no joke, my my level of detail on it, it's definitely got the the Tom Shine on it. It's beautiful. Tom Shine. Um, so I'm... Good word. Yeah. yeah you should I'm put feeling, that in the official documentation. <laughs> the I've shined it. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, uh, because I'm the engineer, often what happens is they release these things, but they don't actually mention me. So it'll say, a brilliant album by the new person of the century. He's the modern composer and all of that stuff. But it won't say, hey, Tom, he's the guy who actually made it sound like this. No. Which is okay. Which is okay. I still get paid in the end of, end of the day, so it's good for me. Yeah, but in 200 years when they play back these recordings and they say, bugger the music, listen to the quality of that audio. <laughs> Well, You're going to be like, it was lost. I always think, like last episode, we recorded in the car. We did. And you remember how good that episode sounds? Like it sounds awesome in terms of sound quality. I'm like, if somebody is listening to this podcast just because it sounds good, that's me. Because yeah. I love good sound. Maybe you just like the sound of your own voice. It's not my, just my own voice. I like the sound of other people's music as a... True, yeah. Classical music, provided that you've mastered it. <laughs> yeah. So your voice and your work. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I am the through line in my own love. <laughs> but I'm like that too. Like, I love looking at my spreadsheets. Don't like looking at other people's spreadsheets. I'm like, mm. I could do this better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, I don't think we've... Did we share that you... We knew you got a job. Oh, yeah. But I don't think we've actually explained what it is you're doing. Have we done that? Probably not. It has been, it's been a week at least. Yeah. And it's, it's been your first week at New Job. It's been an interesting first week. Tell me about it. It's Jane. a big job. It's a really big job. So I work as a school teacher with the little kids. Well, with the big kids. I work with teenagers mostly. What, what sort of little. year levels are we talking here? So age-wise, they're from 12 to 18. 
Mm. Uh, but in Australian, the Australian school system, we call that year seven through to year 12. Okay. Which is contrasting to other parts of the world because I know the UK have have it from year seven through to year 13, but they start a year earlier. So you turn 11 in year seven, whereas we turn 12 in year seven. And then that's really confusing for everyone. Then the US has like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. But it's still high school, yeah? Yeah. With does the entire world do we all call this high school? No, because uh, America has junior high and then high school. And so their freshman year is year nine for us because you turn 15 when you're a freshman. So you, in the US context, you do junior high and high school. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like world, world uh, traveled. <laughs> Unless I don't know, I'm just talking crap. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Never sound- been to the US school system. The important thing is that it sounds right. Not that it is right, but it sounds right. It is right. It sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, lots of pressure for the first week. Well, or was the pressure off? So you sort of the fly biggest your feet? pressure. Yep. And the really, really shitty thing. Is that so? I I went in Thursday, like not last week, but the week before, to get in, get settled, and start going through all the stuff. But I didn't have any access yet, and so the job that I'm doing is essentially in the UK. It's the equivalent of a uh, special educa- educational needs coordinator, mm. and here it's we call it a support teacher, mm. and so those people are responsible for handling the adjustments that the school needs to make in order to address the extra needs that particular students with disability might need. Mm. And so for the extreme cases, they receive additional government funding. And it's my job to see that that allocation is being used in order to further that child's education in the right kind of way. Mostly my job is about allocating and managing the TA timetable. So the teacher assistance. Mm-hmm. And so we have a big proportion of students that have a one-to-one requirement with a TA. And mm-hmm. so these people require a TA with them at all times. But also, um, <laughs> by coincidence, <laughs> often our, well, I say often by coincidence, many of the students that require a TA can also be really difficult to work with. So it's not as easy as just saying, okay, you're going to work with this person for the day because you, you'll lose your staff. <laughs> they can't handle one person all day every day because it's, it, it does their head in. And so I've got to find ways of adjusting who has them when, um, making sure that each TA gets time at recess uh, for a 10-minute break and making sure they get a lunch break. But, but that's difficult because the students need to be fully supervised from the moment they get to school to the moment they leave the school uh, because they like we have children with wheelchairs, they need help with toileting and manual handling. We have students that you just can't leave alone because they can be physically aggressive and things like that. And we have students that just, if you left them alone, they you, you wouldn't know what they'd do. I don't think they'd know what they'd do. They'd be like, what do I do? So, yeah, it's, it's a balancing act because at the moment we have more students that need TAs than we have TAs. So my job is really just making sure that the kids that absolutely need TAs have them, but finding a way to square the circle and making sure that 
all the TAs are being used to the best of the ability. And quite often that means looking at the rooms that students are in. And so if there are two students in a room and both require a TA, you can sort of get one TA to look at both. And, you know, we can we can work that out because some people only receive, you know, a funding allocation of four hours a week. And so they don't need the TA to be with them at all times. Um, so you can kind of tick the box. Okay, well, if you spend 20 minutes in the lesson with them there, then over the week that that will work out okay i gotta admit you sound you sound like a professional when you talk about this stuff and then uh, contrast to the previous weeks where we're discussing the cat incident and and things like that and this is agreeable this is a this is a new professional side (laughs) we're seeing of of jake i i think it's just because the last week I've had such a scatterbrain. There, there's a lot to think about. It. It's, it looks like you've, I can see it as you're talking about it. You've like, you've taken all of this information, you've put it in, you're still processing it even even though you've, I assume you've been off for three days because it's a long weekend. Uh, yeah, long weekend. Have you actually been off? Because you're still, you, you look like you're still on. I sent the best email this morning. <laughs> what did you send? Uh, well, I, I actually got ChatGPT to help me write. Oh. By the way, if you're not using ChatGPT to help you write professional emails, you need to get on that. It is it is such a time saver. And you could write it yourself. I could write a real – it's the same with writing an essay. You know, when you've done your master's degree and everything or your bachelor's degree, you, you get a sense of how to write a good essay. Mm. And you can use that language in everyday life, but you don't because it's very mentally taxing. Whereas you just put it into chat EPT and it's like, yeah, I could have written that, but it would have taken me, you know, three times the amount of time. So do that. Mm. But yeah, I'm, I've been working all weekend. I've been making up the timetable for tomorrow. We have a new student starting on Wednesday, which is going to be another one that needs full time from the moment they get dropped off to the moment they get collected. Mm. They need to have a TA with them. You guys must have so many TAs. I'll, I'll show you later what the... Wow. what the list looks like. And I've been getting in uh, relief TAs. I've just offered one a full-time contract, which is great. I've got an uh, interview with two this week. So uh, coming in, it's actually the first time I've been in a job where I've been so closely involved with the leadership team as well, which is really nice because you're getting that sort of other aspect of work. And how do you think they're responding to you, this leadership team? I, th- I think they're happy. I mean, I've only been doing it for a week. But you're already hiring people. You obviously are around your job already. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're. I've been, they must be loving it. I've tried to be really proactive, <laughs> but you should like the spreadsheet that I've made. Is I can I can spread the hell out of some sheets, <laughs> I tell you. And this one is, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's cool. But the really frustrating thing about the job, the most frustrating thing, yeah, is that I don't yet have any access to school systems. Do you mean with your computer and stuff like that? I don't even have an email yet for work. Mm. So all of my documentation that I need to refer to is locked behind this stuff because all really confidential private student stuff, I can't see any of it. So I have to ask other people to email it to my Gmail account. This this is actually making me think of Utopia where they, you know, IT is, seems to be the problem that just stops everything. <laughs> um Likewise, someone at work this week was like, "Ah, oh, it's just on the it's just on the D drive. You can get it off there." And I was like, "No, I, I can't." And they're like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "I don't have access to the drives." And they're like, "You've worked here for like eight years." 
<laughs> right? Yeah. How do you not have access? And I said, well, I don't have a computer that's owned by the organization. All of mine are on my own domain. Yeah. And even if I could map the network drives, right, you guys stopped that in 2021 when you got a new VPN provider. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't you use the VPN to map them? Well, the VPN that they had, they bought no longer supported Mac. Oh. So, um, and they didn't know that at the time. I was the to test case because I'm the only Mac user in the organization. Isn't your organization primarily a creative organization? Yep. How do they not use Mac? And they're all on, they're all on like Celeron processor, Dell laptops, you know, the thin, the thin underpowered ones. But I suppose they're not doing creative work. No, they're they're just organizing stuff. So they've just got the cheapest. Yeah, it's funny. Um, They were like... They were ribbing me about it, and I was like, it, "It is what it is." But I don't see what choice I have. What do I do? Do I yeah. am I the one who should have bought me a computer <laughs> when I started? Like, I'm not even technically an official staff member. I'm a contracted person. I've just been there on contracts for eight years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a funny little thing. It in uh, you know the bane of your existence as well. They well. I've talked to IT and they've said it's an HR issue because HR need to give the green flag before they can do this. It's just government, any government jobs. The school is part of the government. They just have their policies of how they do things. They, oh, we can't possibly turn on the the button that makes your account work until we've been signed off by HR to do that. And then HR are waiting for payroll. I don't know. Right. Uh, but it means the last week... I haven't been able to do my job very well because I have to rely – if I make the timetable for the TAs, I can't give it to them. <laughs> I have to get someone else to uh, post it to them on my behalf. And, yeah, that's really tough. Oof. And I've also had to tether internet from my mobile while I'm there because mm. I don't have access to the Wi-Fi. And I've used up all my data. <laughs> so now I'm, I've just had to buy more data for work because work has used it. I kind of feel like sending them a bill. That sucks. Yeah. But the job is, I think I'll be good at it. I think it's the kind of job that I'm good at. Yeah. My favorite job is, my favorite game is Tetris. This is a lot like Tetris. You look pumped. You look excited (sighs) and refreshed by it. It's good to be working. Yeah. So I I was off work for three months because. Such a long time. Yeah. And I was working, my job, I was working for a property development firm as head of innovation and technology. And it was a really, really awesome job. But I was only there for three months before they've hit some financial <laughs> issues themselves. They've str- So they, they did a massive layoff of staff. They actually let off, um, I don't know if I told you this, they, they let off two staff members two days before Christmas. And I kind of think, dude, that's pretty rough. 23rd That's horrible. Yeah. That's um, horrible. And, yeah, so they're – but, you know, good luck to them. I hope they do well. I left amicably. It was like, well, I it- saw the writing on the wall. Uh, and I always thought, well, I can always go back to teaching. But it was just a shame because the way that uh, the calendar year matches up with the Australian school system mm. is that we go on our summer break in December. And so I lost my job there in mid-November. Mm-hmm. And then I had to re-register as a teacher, which took six weeks. <laughs> so when I got re-registered, it was school holidays. And so I've just haven't been working since then. Mm. And then before that, 
I was uh, I just moved back in August from the UK, and the UK school year finished in July, and so I went July to August. So there's a month there without any work. Then I did three months of work from August or oh, September through mm. to November. And then I've had another three months with no work, and so it's just been like I've, I don't know what to do with myself. So it's really good to be working again. I mean, there's all sorts of other parts of your life that you're going to feel better once that money starts coming in. Yeah. Um, you yeah. buy a nice computer chair. <laughs> We're sitting in these secret lab chairs. I don't know if you want to give a <laughs> Look, I'll give a plug unpaid <laughs> endorsement. I think we did actually plug these on the other episode because I talked about my hand getting hit by them. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> but the chairs... Awesome. It's comfy. Yeah, very it's a comfy. comfy. Chair. Uh, do you remember last time we chatted? I didn't officially have a job yet. Yes. Now I still don't officially have that job. Right. However, um, unofficially, they they redid my contract. They they had that epiphany while they were interviewing me about my performance and stuff, and they redid my contract. And essentially offered me the same job with the same pay with actually a few more little caveat restrictions on it that should actually alleviate some of the work coming in. So in a way, they offered me a better job. But also in doing so, I did discover some things. And we did I did call you about this during the week. Yeah. I did discover some things in the contract that are a bit funny. So first of all, I've been there long enough that right now my job should have gone permanent and it didn't. I'm not too worried about that because I'm still covered by the same staff agreements and things like that. They can still fire me anytime the way that they do other staff. But I'm still protected because I've been there for so long that my um, that I'd have a severance er- er- thing and all of that. Mm. However... A couple of little things that we discovered. First of all, in the staff agreement, which my contract does reference and say that it, it pertains to that, I went back and had a look and it says that I'm meant to get an incremental pay increase every single year for for the first uh, for three years. This would be the third year I'm at that classification. So I should have been moved to that. And it's only it's only a thousand bucks a year. But that would have been an extra $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, so I found that. And it's in the staff agreement. I called Jake and I was like, oh, well, should we what, – what should I do? Should I make a fuss? Because it was hard hard for them to even get this contract out to me. I'm still scared that if I make too much of a fuss, maybe they wouldn't even offer me stuff. But Jake's, I'm going to speak for you and say your feelings were that if there's money on the table, I should have taken it. I think sign the contract <laughs> and then raise it. <laughs> I I raised it. Yep. But not only did I raise it, I found a few other things. Uh, first of all, the contract that was offered to me was, was actually a paid decrease of 1.5%. And I think what actually happened was that they, they didn't, they just re got the contract, copied it to a new document, ignoring the fact that they had a 1.5 staff uh, pay rise in 2022. So I'm actually being paid at the 1.5 plus 1.5 level, mm. but they didn't acknowledge it in the new contract. So I, I said, oh, look, here's a few things. Um, first of all, the I've gone through the contract and I found that the contract's actually the same job that I'm currently doing. 
So we don't need to change its title or anything like that. Um, it actually says in the new agreement, it says, this is a new position. And I, I wrote and said, look, I understand if you want to frame it that way, but it is the same job. And anybody in the organization would recognize that that's the job that Tom does. That's the job I do. Yeah. So it's all the same job. I'm managing the same staff doing the same projects. It's just written differently. So I said, look, why don't we just make it permanent? And I said, it's okay if you don't think that's in my best interest or something, but just letting you know that I think if we're, since we've ended up with this result, we might as well do the permanent thing, which was what we were talking about initially. Then I mentioned the just the incorrect pay amount, just that they need to update that to their to the actual standard. Yep. And then I mentioned the incremental um, pay increase. So, and it, it's a really nice, fr- very friendly email. Have they, have they, they haven't written Well, it, it's a public holiday today. Yeah, true. Okay. So they won't write back today. But like, I think the way that I framed it and how positive I was and, and all of that, no joke, that's going to get, that'll get done. Okay. The, I, real, I, the real poignant question though. Yeah. Did you use ChatGPT? No, I didn't. Well, you've done yourself a disservice. But I did all that mental power that you used to write that. I did use a lot of mental power. I went back over it a few times. I tried to, I made it friendly and and like I'm pretty informal because I know the HR lady quite well. Were you like, howdy, y'all? <laughs> I used an exclamation point when I was talking oh. about. Hope you had a good weekend. That that sort of thing that has that slight business friendliness when you're in the same office. Yeah. So like stuff like that. I think I did a good job. I really think that it will all go the way I want. So in the end, I think next week, because next week's a pay week, I would assume that, sorry, tomorrow, that they're probably going to get me to sign it. Yeah. And uh, and Bob's your uncle. It's the same job. So <laughs> same job, basically the same pay. We got there. Yeah. One little thing that happened, though, is that as we transition to this job, what they're trying to do is they're trying to remove some things from the marketing department, which for which I'm a part of. They're trying to build a bit of a, a sort of funnel where all the stuff from the, all the various departments in the building comes through and gets this brand lens applied to it and then goes out the other end. Mm-hmm. Now, they wanted me to be part of that, but in the end, they worked out my contract that they probably can't afford for me to do that as well as do all of my other tasks. Yeah. However, so the the first job that came up was one like literally the same day they issued me this new contract, which we haven't full. It's just a draft. They created a new job. Uh, uh, there was a new project within the building that they wanted to do, which, according to my new contract, wouldn't be part of the work that I do. However, in any other year, I would be doing that job, and thereby making it very easy. However, we straight away needed to establish all these different processes to cover the fact that I'm not the video, I'm not going to be the video guy for that gig. Mm. I recommended a couple of people. They tried them all, unavailable, and they only left uh, one of my assistants to do it. And that's that's okay. But they, when they emailed him, they emailed the wrong email address. Right. So somebody else was booking the producer of this new video, who is not me, emailed the the videographer and didn't book him, <laughs> right? 
the jobs tomorrow morning after a long weekend, which means that if if nobody calls them over the weekend to sort out the problem with the wrong email address. So I'm looking back through all of the communication, right? I'm getting CC'd in it. So I, I know they're like, oh, I just want you to be across this too, Tom. And so I'm looking through it and I, I, I'm like, why hasn't he replied to any of these emails? And I'd called him probably a week earlier just to let him know, you're definitely free that day. I'm going to put you in the roster for it. Um, just so you know, I'm not running this gig though. So I, I teach the other lady in the marketing department how to book, how to adjust the, the times, how to do the schedule. I say, you have to get him to call me to get the gear that he wants because in the end, he's got to design the shoot. He's the person who, he's the video guy. So you've got to, he's got to spec the gig and then I'll make sure that the gear is there and available for him to use. Yeah. And I'll make sure we get a copy of it on the back end. And uh, so I didn't get this call up until Friday. So I'm starting to freak out coming to the edge of fr- end of Friday. And I call him. He's, he's not picking up. I call him Saturday about 11 a.m. I'm like, sorry to call you on the long weekend, mate. I'm just a bit concerned. I haven't seen any replies to these emails. Did, did she call you? Did she actually book you? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you booked me for the for the thing. And I'm like, so the only contact you've had with this entire gig is me. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, but what about all the emails? And I, I go in and check. She's created a address, uh, a, an email address incorrectly written. Yeah. So it's sending to some other Gmail address. Right, she's created it in the address book for the entire department, so it looks like it's going to that person. It's not. Right. However, at the beginning of the week, I'd submitted her the correct address book, and I looked, and it's all correct. Yeah. So she just did it herself. Didn't check. Didn't even discuss it. Like a video gig, I like the lunacy to not discuss that mm. with the with the video guy before the. Day and the the shoot starts at seven thirty a.m. tomorrow after right. a long weekend. He wouldn't. He would be there with nothing to shoot with. Yeah. He wouldn't know what they're doing. He wouldn't know when it's happening, what room, none of that stuff. Has it been organised now? Well, it has because I did it. Well, that's not very good. No, it's the. You should have let it fail. <laughs> well, the the problem was, I had to I had to I had to think about what would happen if I let it fail. What do I want to be a success and what do I want to, f- to fail? Yeah. We want the content studio that is taking work away from me to proceed as, as planned because that means I get my job. True. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's strategic. Right. So when I talk, when I talk to him, uh, I just, uh, obviously it's just an email address communication thing. So I just said, look, it's no problem. You know, it'll be sorted. Just let me know what gear you want. We write out the gear list together. I'll deliver it. I've already packed my vehicle. I'm going to go deliver all the gear on a public holiday. Nobody will even know that I've done that. Yeah. And the important thing is I don't tell anyone because we want it to feel like the entire process worked within the thing. And as the but somewhere between this gig and the next gig after I've signed my contract, I'll approach the staff member and say, hey, I noticed you did this with the address book entry for the 
this staff member, just so you know, that's not his email address. And thereby, everything's a success. Tomorrow morning, she's rocking up as a producer. He will be there. He'll have his gear. And I, what's, what's funny is I'm probably going to, I was thinking I might deliver it before the 7.30 shift, but I also don't want them to see me. So what I'll do is I'm going to deliver it and then I'm going to go have breakfast for an hour and a half and then I'll come back and go to work. Yeah, right. And it'll be, they will have done it themselves. They would have had the whole process, but they won't, it won't be like, we should have just got Tom to do it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you've got to be above the credit, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's I, very <laughs> difficult to, to – for me, that would be very difficult for me to sort of like knowing that someone else who has tried to undermine me on several occasions covering for their mistake. I would find that really difficult. In, what's funny is I told this this lady as well, I told her – maybe three times yeah. directly, whatever you do, this is how I would say, just listen to my voice. Whatever you do, make sure you call him because uh, he will be expecting a phone call to just go over stuff. Even if you've written in in a brief or something like that, always call. Yeah, no problem. I'll do that. Yeah. We had that conversation three times. So I was, I was very hot on it because as a video guy, when I'm booking a gig, there's what happens is people think – that when they send you an email, that it's got all the information. Yeah. But it never does with video. You need that little bit on top and also just to get the vibe of how important the job is because yeah. that might mean you bring additional staff or it might mean you um, you take a different approach with the audio, that sort of and stuff. And it, it can always come across in that extra tone, like if you say, oh, what did you think of that? And if they say, yeah, no, we really need to do that, opposed to, oh, yeah, no, we probably should do that. Even the way they convey that, like they're both saying the same thing. Totally. And the other thing is they don't talk in terms of technical gear and a lot of video requires technical gear. Yeah. So I I read through the briefing document that the person didn't receive because the email address wasn't correct. But the the briefing document said, uh, didn't say anything about the number of cameras needed. Right. Okay. So it's possible to film like an interview with a single camera. Yeah. But then you've got nothing to cut to. So when that person says, um, ah, or the incorrect thing, maybe they swear, all of that stuff, you've got nothing to cut to because you need you need overlay footage or you need something else. Yeah, to mask. Right. Snap. Now, usually what I do is I use a teleprompter. And in which case, if I use a teleprompter, I often will, will only use one camera. But I always film with two just in case the talent themselves just – falls over and we need something to cover it. Mm-hmm. However, in this case, the they didn't communicate this, but there's actually three cameras needed because they wanted to do an additional vertical one that isn't cropped. Uh, so they want a camera with an with a that has a mount that you can just turn it to the side and a wide lens. That's a very specific request. That's not it's not something that this guy's going to rock up with. That's the important thing is you like he might rock up with a camera and maybe a single light, yeah. maybe a little lav mic for audio, but he's not going to rock up with knowing the specific of your your gig. You've got to communicate that stuff too. Oh, so 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that that goes well. Would you, I, I, would I've you certainly th- enabled them to. My, my next question, though, would be yeah. if they're the video guy, mm-hmm. like you've been able to do, deduce that because you're the video guy, yep. shouldn't they be able to do that too? Yeah, absolutely he, he should have. But remember, he's my assistant, and in yep. terms of skill level, you're talking about, you know, the difference between a, uh, a P-plater and a proper driver. Like, yeah. he he works out there in the market and stuff like that, but he he's just – it's just a completely different level. He's not thinking like me through these problems. And sometimes – you know that that's a difficult thing to com- to communicate to other people because sometimes, like I work with people and I know what they're good at, and then you generally you tailor a shoot to what the videographer is good at. So if they're really good at like highly cinematic lighting and they use a certain camera and looks a certain way, you might end up filming an interview completely differently because the skill of that that cinematographer is uh, is different, and the sort of picture that they're going for will be different. There isn't a sort of one size fits all. Mm. Not everyone can shift between the different things. Not everyone's a great audio guy. Some some video guys you might even be required to get an audio a separate audio guy just yeah. because they can't handle it. Not only that, they like this shoots this shoot has some little complexity around it. Like they have to do photos at the same time, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So is this guy? What's he doing? Is he grabbing screen grabs? Is he? Yeah. All of that stuff. Anyway, the important bit is that it's saved <laughs> and I'm not going to be taking credit for it, I guess. Um, I, I've got a question. Sure. Um, a little bit off topic, but when it comes to being a cinematographer, is that the title that you give yourself? Like when you're doing this work, you're a cinematographer? Yeah, I'm officially a cinematographer now. I mean, I joined the Society of Cinematographers and all of that. Yeah. Um, I often feel like I don't deserve that title because a lot of what I shoot is videography. So it's, it, What's the difference between a videographer and a cinematographer? Um, I would say, have you watched a... Um, it, it's 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 so many things. It's a little bit about the way that the the person's eye works for um, for lighting and cohesion of story and all of that. A cinematographer has more of an eye for creating cinematic work in terms of the lighting style, the bigger picture, maybe bigger teams, those sorts of. Do you things. mean more artistic when you say cinematic? Yeah, uh, well, but not only that, just more ready for cinema. Right. Like if you look at the difference between the way that a short film, like a, uh, like a, you ever seen terrible footage? <laughs> just like, have you ever seen a, like a really terrible movie that you're like, wow, this is really B-level? I mean, raw nerve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Raw nerve. <laughs> so uh, like a videographer tends to, the majority of their work might be corporate socials or something like that yeah it's it generally it's not they're not the people who are doing story based content yeah um, thinking about the bigger picture and generally their use of lighting is basic as well yeah and a cinematographer has an eye towards the more cinematic tools the larger teams certainly about the way the image works 
um, very focused on that. It's sort of hard to describe, but like when you put it up into into pictures, I feel like it's a real difference. Okay. I would say that my lighting skills are very great. Like I've got awesome lighting skills, but yep. uh, a lot of the content that I shoot just just doesn't feel like cinematography. I'm not going to be entering it into award ceremonies, for instance. You know? Sure. So I would say that's the difference. It sort of brings me to the next question I had, which that was sort of a leading question to the next thing, which was you – so you trained as an audio mm-hmm. technician. We've got a what's your degree in? What what's it called? I have a music technology degree. So I have a bachelor of musical arts in music Tech. technology. Yeah. Yeah. With a and then I have an additional uh sort of like it's not a full bachelor but of musicology. Yeah. Which yeah, so I so given that your background is audio mm-hmm. and you've migrated to the cinema work, and you've just taught yourself that. Mm. You haven't done any training. You have no qualifications. Uh, I guess when you enter that kind of work, it's not about the piece of paper. It's about the pro- what you produce Yeah, that matters. Yeah, it's um, like you if you see a, a reel made by somebody of their own work, yeah. you can tell who's a cinematogra- cinematographer and who's not. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, it's a business card that you can see instantly almost. Yeah. 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 I I I just I wondered about whether you had that sort of sense of imposter syndrome from oh, I I certainly do and especially in the cinematography society we're talking we're talking about people with you know international film credits they're talking about an entire team of people people who've probably done a couple of I don't know Steven Spielberg movies once upon a time those sorts of things like these are these are people who've shot real movies across decades and I'm there with my, you know, five grand Sony cameras and shooting interviews and things like that. Yeah. I think that they would all be pretty impressed by my technical skills, but a lot of times with cinematography, the the art of it is not just the technical skills. You need to have a bigger vision of just how one shot fits together. I was actually, oh my God, I was watching this great channel on YouTube the other day about the blocking. So blocking is when you move actors in a scene. Okay. Blocking in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. And they were showing they were showing an example of, okay, Steven Spielberg has put the camera here. In order to make the shot feel really dynamic, they're rearranging the actors in the scene, like almost like a theatre production where they're over on the right side of the, the frame, then they're moving to the left. Now that you can see that they're, they've sort of got this book in the foreground and then suddenly Indiana Jones comes over and opens the book. It's like... It was just blowing my mind at the level of detail and how he'd use one shot and he'd actually get the actors doing real acting. Nowadays, a lot of shots are three seconds, four seconds long. Yeah. Which means that sometimes the actors aren't even getting to act with the other. They're not having a dialogue with somebody. They're not looking at somebody you in the eyes. You don't meet them. I think back in 2001, the Scorpion King, the mummy, <laughs> I, I think when The Rock came in, he wasn't ever introduced to the other actors or something. I could be wrong on that, but there was a movie around that era where there was a CG character who was brought in to do the stuff and he just never got to meet mm. anyone else. And they've done an entire movie and they never met. And that's that's an insane idea. You get that with voice, like voice actors, sure, mm. but it's just become a new 
avenue. I saw a great behind-the-scenes shot the other day from a show, and I, th- I don't know what it was, but it was a woman in, like, looking through the window of a woman in an apartment and just doing her thing, and then the camera came out of the window across the street and through the window of another building mm-hmm. to a woman working at her desk and it's sort of like she's just got off the phone and now she's carrying on and, you know, out the door and stuff. And they actually extended a camera through the window mm. out into the other building and as the camera's coming back, you can see all these people frantically, like, shuffling things around so that it's ready to go and stuff and it was it was really interesting to watch because it just shows, shows how much of the, like you say, the the... It's like the theatre, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but you only really get to see what the camera sees. And so all of that is hidden to you. This is making me so excited as we discuss this. I'm I, I'm so energised to tell you all these things that I now know about Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing that happens uh, in Raiders is Raiders is only made for, I think, $20 million back then and adjusted for inflation, that's $63 million. It's such a good film. Dial of Destiny, their new one, is $300 million. And yeah. generally, the with the marketing costs, it it's nearly a billion dollars that most of these big-name Disney movies need to make at the box office in order yeah. to recoup. Now, if the movie was $60 million, the same way it was back for Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, then... It wouldn't. It would. It would be much more profitable to make movies. If you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's really hard to deny that that isn't a fantastic film. It, even if it's not your jam, just like watch what you're seeing. It is highly entertaining. It's it's got almost a, a comic book feel about it in a couple of places, but in terms of the cinematography, where the camera is how long shots are, what they, they... You know that moment, I'm not sure which Raiders, it, uh, whether it's Raiders or another Indiana Jones movie, but they have the plane out in the on the runway and its propellers are spinning. And they're doing a fight scene? And Yep. That's Raiders. So it is Raiders. Yep. So uh, Indiana Jones has his fist up. He's he's beaten up some guy, I think. And the in the same camera so they haven't cut camera to show you anything it's yeah. a, it's one wide shot you see the plane you see the big bulky guy ready to fight indy and the propeller it's like there's two threats happening at the same time yeah in the background you can see the mechanic working on the plane and uh so there's almost like there's there's so much happening in a single frame and the frame's telling you so much yeah i just I just love that stuff, and because just think, if that was a if that was another movie, how many different scenes would they need to set up to do that exact same sequence? Yeah, with three. So every time you do a shot, you need to light for that shot. You need yeah. to do things in the background. Okay, well, when they they have a minute and a half scene, for instance, in where Indy is just explaining something to somebody else in his house. But throughout that whole sequence, you see the entirety of the room. So instead of lighting just Indy, they've actually lit the whole space. And then you've got two actors going through what could have been 10, 15 shots across a minute and a half. Remember, three seconds could even be, it could be 50 shots. But it's all one take. It's one take. Yeah. The actors like it better. It's cheaper. And to be honest, it tells the story so much better. 
I've got a I've got a video to show you later. Oh, do it. I I'm so I was so inspired after watching this thing. My my favorite indie trivia fact, which you probably already know if you've been looking into it, but the fight scene against the guy with the sword. That he shoots. Do you know this? That he shoots. Yeah. Yeah. So that was meant to be a big, drawn-out, elaborate sword fighting scene between the two of them. And I think they did like 20 takes or so of this fight. And in the end, Harrison Ford, just as a joke, he's had enough of it. He just, as a joke for this take, pulled out the gun and shot him. And everyone pissed themselves so much they kept it in. And what's interesting is Indiana Jones had the, a cold that day. He was really exhausted. Um, yeah. Harrison Ford was just like, he wasn't sure how much he could do for these of these fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's a good... good. With the Dial of... My, my question about the Dial... I haven't seen the Dial of Destiny. I've kind of gone off all the Disney things lately. Mind you, the 100th anniversary short film. Loved that. That was like a real nostalgic thing. Did you watch that? No, I didn't. Oh, I, we got to watch that too. I think Dial of Destiny is one of those vapid Disney uh, nostalgia fests and things like that. It is that, but it is good. It's okay. good enough. Okay. However, if you have a limited time and you have an Indiana Jones that, uh, sort of thing that you want to watch, I think you'd be better going back to Indiana Jones Raiders or Temple and just watching those two again. The Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, yeah. Really? That's the one that everyone reckons is the weaker one. You must People be say insane. the Last Crusade is the good one. What? Yeah. I, I don't Temple of Doom, the Galiman, you know, heart through the chest thing. Yeah. You like that one? Are you joking? That's not I a common thing. Most people don't like that one. I With the three crystals. Okay, here, how about this? Yeah. I bet you that Temple of Doom is the highest rated one. No. Okay, I bet you that it's higher rated in critically than, than The Last Crusade. Really? Yeah, I bet you. I, now, I don't know. But I bet you if I look it up right now, what do you want to bet? Come on. Oh, dinner? I, I don't have things do you want to, to bet. You want a bit a better dinner? I, I, I bet. Okay, sure. Solo pizza. Who's paying? You know what I mean? How about that? All right, fine. All right. Fine. I'm going to look it up right pizza. now. You stand here. We're going to find out what's the <sighs> critically acclaimed Indiana Jones film. Indiana. Indiana like Jones. Pizza. And we'll go to Rotten Tomatoes okay. for the critic score. Yeah. What do you reckon? Indiana Jones. Let's see. All right. Stand by, everyone. Oh, I'm standing by. I might be wrong here. <laughs> oh, no. I am wrong. <laughs> okay. Raiders of the Lost Arks at 93%. Yep. India, Temple of Doom, 77. Yep. Crusade, 84. Yeah. In the words of this, like, Templar knight, he chose poorly. I'm pretty sure that Temple of Doom, though, has the the aeroplane sequence in it. No. And, yes, it does. Aerop- the one with the fight that we were just talking about. No, the aeroplane sequence where they're um, – it's him, the woman, and side, um, sidekick, and they're, yeah. and they're um, what is it, short round. They're flying through the Alps, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Plane's I'm pretty going sure down. it does that. And then they do the – remember they fall out of the plane with a uh, life raft? Do you remember that? Yeah, that I is that one. That's one of the best sequences put to film. Like, it's stunning. And Temple of Doom also has the chase. 
the um, minecart chase. Yes, yes, it does. Both sequences incredible. <laughs> I I can remember. I used to watch it with a friend of mine, and we were I don't know twelve at the time. And there's the part where they're looking out at the ritual going on, and then they get distracted and they're talking, and then. They look back and they're like, hey, where'd everybody go? And this face comes up. And we used to, like that used to get us every time. I loved it. It was great. Good times. I my my question was gonna be though, so obviously the first three films, even the Crystal Skull to a degree, are all based on actual uh I icon I items. There was a lost ark that was destroyed in Babylon. There was a Holy Grail. Uh, I don't know about the Temple of Doom thing, but I'm going to guess that that's put in law. The Crystal Skull, I'm pretty sure that's a Mayan thing. There, I know I know. there's been other Crystal Skull references. There was one in Stargate, so I'm willing to bet that that's based on... No, a, there, there are Crystal Skulls, yeah. Yeah. And so is there a Dial of Destiny? No. I mean, even in the film, it is so... It's what do they call it? MacGuffin. It's just got MacGuffin syndrome all over the place. What does that mean? Oh, where they there's just something that everybody needs that's got a, like some imaginary key that's going to open a door. It's all it's all nonsense. Right. A dial of destiny does feel any time that they bring up the dial, it just sounds like stupidity. However, they do have a Indiana Jones who they've. Um, they've Harrison Ford, they've got his face and they've de-aged him. Yeah, right. The de-aging in Dial of Destiny is mind-blowing. Yeah, okay. The Certainly the best ever put to film that I've seen. Okay. And it's not just one, it's not one shot. It's literally 20 minutes of the movie, you're watching classic yeah, Harrison. Harrison Ford. Yeah, wow. I'm surprised he, he lets them do it, do it to him. He must be on. oh yeah, no problem, $30 million, no problem, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, mm. I would too. Mm. They can have a DH, Jake. <laughs> they can do whatever they like. Thirty million dollars. You're like, mm. do you want to do a sex scene? Oh, not really. Hasn't do, this? Become- do you want to do it on a do for thirty million? Yes. <laughs> but that that's become an issue now for uh, T- is it Taylor Swift? She's just had a fake AI generated sex tape or something released. Have you looked? In, have you seen that at all? I, I haven't. But like, doesn't? Of course. I mean, if as soon as you can fake somebody's face you make her a meta human and have her in i don't know unreal engine doing stuff like with like popeye <laughs> but like mm. what what are you saying is this a is this a terrible thing well i think she was making a lawsuit or something about it well she might be but i'm not sure like who were you suing you know you're suing unreal engine as if they are the ones who let's say it's meta, a meta yeah. human that they're doing it with I have no idea. But to be honest, I, mean? I haven't even been following they, the story. I heard the, about it. Do the individual, but you remember the first thing every time we get a new technology, pawns right at the front. Rule over. 34. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, if you think AI, okay, what's going to happen with porn? We're going to get fake porn. Yeah. Everyone's like, great, except that that takes away jobs from people. So if you're one a porn actress like out there. OnlyFans person. Yeah. Oh, no, they're only going to make 17 million this month. Well, the OnlyFans is one of those industries that has a – it because of Vapid its pay scale, curve. it's yeah. it's only like point one percent of the yeah. top earners who make, make that. that. Yeah, I think that that's a real uh, injustice too. Hold on, when I say injustice, what I mean is 
there are people that go into making an OnlyFans and they're not adequately briefed on that. Usually they're, you know, they're young, attractive people and they think they're going to make some money and they go and do all this stuff and they get nothing to show for it. Yeah, I do think that's almost the same as any other business though. I mean, I mean, because you do, if you're starting any sort of startup or you've got any sort of new idea, there is a chance that you can make it and, and somebody else beats you to market or... The- I mean, people could join our Patreon. We <laughs> yeah. could make 17 million. Just get naked, Tom. <laughs> I, what I'm, I don't I'm understand. Always, I'm always getting naked. Nobody's paying me. You're naked right now. In fact, there are no one like, knows. Put <laughs> your clothes on, Tom. And I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. My my real, I what I don't get is who is out there paying for OnlyFans? Porn is free. Who who I don't know. I just don't understand what you're getting. I tell you, I I um. In some ways, I hate OnlyFans. I hate what it does to women's view of men in particular and things like that. I, I hate – I've spent a bit of time with a few people who I know that go into those areas and they they tend to have a pretty poor regard for men. And like we're somehow um, – we're just <laughs> – you know, we're just penises walking around and – Yeah, no, I've heard that – so we, we used to be in a band with – Someone who was working as a adult dancer, mm. and I, I can remember a conversation with her. She would just flat out tell me, "I've I've stopped looking at men as men. They're now wallets." And yeah, I I don't like that stuff. I don't think it's good for the psyche. But uh, you've got to re- got to respect that men are obviously happy to pay for it. Yeah, but I don't understand why. Yeah, I, I would never I pay for it. Either, but maybe we're not the whales, you know. Yeah. Plus, we have access to – why don't we talk about it if we have no access to women? I mean, True. we've got partners and people we're seeing and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I wonder just how crazy – have you ever done a challenge where you've, like, tried not to have sex or masturbate or anything for a whole month? Have you ever done that? I mean, I've been in a relationship where I've gone without for a month. But no masturbation, nothing. I, I think I did like a no nut November once. Yeah. And I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? And I think it was just to prove to myself that I could do it and then that was it. That's right. I, I did one to try and, again, just prove that I could do it and just see how much of my decision making is based on sex as well. But I, I could say even <laughs> just sex alone. I, don't, I think if I went without sex for three weeks, I'd start going a bit crazy. Yeah. And that that's the thing. I, I have to – I think when we look at these situations, we come at it with our, you know, the other 11 months of the year, but we don't come at it with the no nut November mentality Yeah, where we're guys who – you know, can you just think about that for a second? Just think about what those people might be going through. Yeah. And there, there must be millions of them. Oh, there are. Yeah. I I think that, you know – Sex, masturbation, all of that stuff just helps you keep your head straight and I think everybody should be doing it. The post-nut clarity. Yeah, I think we all need a bit of post-nut clarity. <laughs> I don't make any big decisions until I've had a good wank. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let me get back to you in 20 minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine if HR came to me and was like, uh, uh, Tom, here's your new contract. Do you need anything from me? I'm like, no, just go away for like 20 minutes and... Uh, 
Actually, get some tissue. <laughs> Got like a, a Sears catalogue. Oh, God. <laughs> mm. uh, I, um, I, saw, I, I don't even know whether Sears is a... Uh, a no, nah, we go like Harris Scarf women's Scarf. bras and stuff. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Um, I... I well, I so here's something then. Uh-huh. This is probably personal information, <laughs> but Miss Miss Agreeable that I've been seeing. Yeah, oh, you're still with Miss Agreeable. Still, right? still with Miss Agreeable. Awesome. Um, awesome. I I I'm still not sold. Really? Yeah. This is two weeks later than we had that conversation. Yeah. Did you have that conversation with her? Yeah. We we even we've had it we had it again the other night. Um. And I've been staying over. I'm really trying. Uh, and I had some stuff happen, which I didn't talk about with you. Okay. Uh, where I thought I might have contracted something. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so... From her? Well, I don't know. It was right around when we started seeing each other. And then I've noticed, oh, well, that doesn't feel right. And so I went and got like a, a STI check, came back negative. But for that week, uh, I'd either contracted from her and she's lied to me or I've had it for the last three weeks and the symptoms have only just started coming in because that's quite common too. Okay. And now I've given to this girl who's never had sex with anybody an STI. Both scenarios oh my made God. me feel absolutely horrendous. But- not a problem. So what? What's the event? What I need to know the end part. So th- this you, is why I didn't say anything because the end part was I got the results back all clear. Okay, but let's go to what you're feeling, right? Yeah. Well. Okay. So I I think while I was waiting for those results, mm-hmm. I'd closed myself off a little bit emotionally because I thought, well, this can't go on because either this girl's lied to me or I've I don't know if I can put up with the shame of having done this. Oh, Jesus. So um, either way, I thought, well, oh, this is no good. It's This is horrendous. But I had the I had the conversation with her and said, look, I've, I've just- You told been, her? I told her, yeah. Mate. I was, because, and I told her because I was absolutely convinced that something was off uh, because I've, I've had, I've had chlamydia before. Um, and, you know, as far as a- STI is concerned, it's it's one of the better ones to have because it's just like you take a tablet and then it's gone. Yeah. And this is why you wear protection. <laughs> and I so I, the last time I had unprotected sex was before that was New Year's Eve. I was out and I went home with someone mm. and had unprotected sex. And so it was either this random girl that I'd had sex with then. It's funny because it's mid-February. This would be about the time that we find out you're a father. <laughs> Yeah. Are you ready for that? No. You ready for that in your life? Well, this is the, this is the other Probably thing. Probably should have worn a condom. <laughs> this is the other thing, though. I think I'm getting to starting to have psychological fears about that. And so I'm not... Uh, the, re- the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because we've been having a lot of sex. Like, so much sex. Like, we'll wake up at three in the morning and have sex. And then we'll wake up at six and have more sex. And... She, she'll do whatever I tell her. Like, she's misagreeable. Mm-hmm. If I say, you know what, we're watching this movie, but geez, I'd love a blowjob. Done. <laughs> um, or like, 
you know, we're cooking dinner. What do you think you're doing? You're not going, no, come back here. No, go on now, you know, on the right here on the bench. That it's just whatever I want, whenever I want. It's great. I can't can't ask for anything better than that when it comes to sex. Yeah, it, maybe. I have not had an orgasm with her though. Not a single one. With what? all the sex that we've had, I've not had a single orgasm. What are you talking about? I I just can't get off. I don't understand. Oh, you, are you finishing yourself after? Uh, I there have been times when I've done that, but I've, I'm just like I don't know if you've ever had real blue balls, but it was one of the worst pains I've ever felt in my life. Are you sure it was blue balls? Because my my un, my sensation I've had blue balls, mm-hmm. but for me it's it's a different sensation to pain. I, I I could understand why people would call it pain, but it's not really. I I put it between like a pain and an itch, but it's neither. But it, I can see why you'd call it either. It's a, it doesn't have a name. There's a, there's an uncomfortable sensation. It's not a pleasant. It, it is uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, but it doesn't hurt. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I've experienced. You can tell me whether this is blue balls. It, it's. It, I don't know what to do because I'm not. It's not like I'm going to Google blue balls. <laughs> I'm going to get. Can you imagine the Google <laughs> feed if I did that? Uh, I'll tell you about blue balls the way I know it. Yeah. If uh, if I have like foreplay that lasts say an hour and a half, and then I haven't uh, I haven't come yet, I might start to hurt. My testicles will start to hurt, and then they swell a little bit, and then they just after I remember one the worst time I've ever had it was me and this girl many years ago, where we would sort of like doing stuff but you know we didn't uh and we just kept getting interrupted and stuff like that and then we we just ran out of time and then we had to go on like this bus trip yeah and i well, i'd probably been aroused by then but for like two hours 15 two hours 30 right like i, I imagine the sort of soreness that you would feel if you were on viagra I, uh, oh my God, by then I could barely sit down. Like I'm talking about the, a, a swelling and a soreness, like what you would expect testicular torsion, like I uh, would be like, I, I haven't had that. I, I mean, it's so painful that I couldn't think like yeah. I'm talking about a pain that is an absolute 10 that. I might as well have – I've broken bones in my body all over, never experienced stuff like this. And I've had it twice in my life and both been through this thing. Um, I've got a few other little things about me that are are just unique to me, which I don't know whether that means that every every guy feels the the same way. So, for instance, um, most guys, I'm assuming when you orgasm, your penis deflates and you go back to being non-erect. Usually. Mine doesn't, and I can usually go. You're multi-orgasmic. Yeah, so I can. I think I think for, it I, depends on whether you keep it stimulated or not. If you keep on, so if you have an orgasm, but then keep on going through it, then it stays erect. I mean, usually just it's no problem to go again. But I, I've certainly I've heard I've only heard through you know casual chats with guys that 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 generally that's not a thing. But I always wonder if I got some other some other sort of connections down there that just are a little bit different or something because uh you know that and the amount of soreness i felt from these from these two sets of what i assume is blue balls yeah. is just incredible pain 
the only time that that pain subsided was when later I just found a bathroom and I did it and masturbated because that was all I could do. Yeah. There was nothing else to do. I couldn't even explain it to the people I was with. Yeah. You know, you're in a public <laughs> space or something like that. You can't explain that problem. For me, it's it's not a pain, but it, it it's uncomfortable and it, it does affect what you can think. Of. So it, you can't get off your mind. It's like, I have to do something about this. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to be clear or think straight. I'm going to be scattered. I'm going to be mm. unsettled. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be fidgeting with my trousers all afternoon mm. unless I go and deal with this. I'm sorry. Give me give me some time. I'll come back when I'm done. Mm. Uh, I've I've had that. That's my blue balls. Uh, but and it's uncomfortable. It's really not pleasant. Uh, but but it's it's it, it doesn't have a word. It, it's not pain. It's not an itch. But it's like somewhere in there. It's it's uncomfortable enough that you could almost call it painful. But it doesn't hurt per se. Mm. I, I honestly can't think of a word to describe it. Uh, but there have been times when I've had, I can remember one time I was at a girl's place and stayed at, like, we thought we were alone and we're in the lounge room and just yeah, like back in school mm-hmm. and we we're having sex on the couch and she was in my lap. And then the door opens and her little sister came in <laughs> and w- we were covered, mm. but we couldn't really go anywhere. <laughs> And so uh, that was a that was a really awkward moment because we we had to stop, mm. and uh, we were lucky because we got away with it. But that was definitely a case of what am, what the hell am I going to do now? Uh, and so we just had to kind of stay there for a while. <laughs> hey, can we get back to you and misagreeable? Yeah. Have you identified why you think you haven't come with this girl? I I again this is me stuff but i've always struggled to orgasm it's like there you seem to be enjoying it though there are pe- so there are people that have premature ejaculations i'm like the opposite end of the spectrum i've always had the issue and i've i've wondered often about it because i can remember i was even when i was 21 i had a massive issue with a girlfriend at the time who felt personally offended whenever i didn't orgasm like look it's not you this is something i've just always had and uh, I I don't know. It could be psychological. I could have done it to myself in my head or something. I I am pretty sure this time it's psychological because I I kind of just have to try to get myself in the zone, and I've come really really close to getting there, and then stop at the last second, mm. and then I've lost it. And I I think I'm doing it in my head, and I think part of it is the the idea of pregnancy stuff, even though. She's on the pill. I think it's, it could be that I keep telling you about what it's like to have kids and maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just starting to get scared about I'm oh. I'm seriously thinking about just getting a vasectomy. I don't know that I want kids and I know that you can reverse it. I, I just think for my own peace of mind, I'd like to do that. And then other people don't have to worry about the pill and it can just be nice and done and dusted. I think I think that has to be a decision you make with a partner. I just don't know. Like even if you think you never want to, you're not with the girl that you might want to. Do you I know what I mean? I'm ever going to want to. Yeah, and I know. the reason I just, for that. I just don't know, mate. So the reason for that too is because I'm so I'm considered neurodivergent in the I've got a diagnosis of all this stuff and mm-hmm. um I I'm I've got a family history where we have a lot of autism. And like I've got a cousin that's nonverbal and I've got other relatives that 
have really difficult upbringings. I myself had to have major surgery as a kid for my eyes. I had speech therapy. I had occupational therapy. I, I'm not in a position where I could afford any of that. My, I was really lucky. My parents were loaded when I was growing up. Mm. Uh, but I, I just the idea of having a kid where I'm going to be responsible for their welfare and not being able to provide that really scares me mm. to the point where I just don't think I think I'd rather adopt than have my own kid. I get that feeling. I completely sympathize with it. I mean, my family history is, I, I would say, men, depress, depression all the way to nearly schizophrenia. Yeah. Like, what, what would you say my dad is? You know what I mean? Mm. I think it, most people would consider him schizophrenic. I, I, it's hard to know what to diagnose. Certainly uh, different levels of uh, high levels of intelligence in my family, which is good. Yeah. But uh, they are so mixed up in many ways. And yeah. I wouldn't want to pass on um, some of my stuff either. But look, when it all comes down to it, you know, you don't want to base a big life decision on on a fear. And, yeah, but it's and stopping I think, you from getting orgasms. <laughs> yeah, I know. You need to deal with the fear, uh, yeah. right? But but dealing with the fear via something like that, I'm not sure but that's the I, right I mean, move. it's not necessarily per- – I, I mean, I haven't really no, I, consulted I, with I, it. I know, I know. Yeah. But can we recognise that there is a there might be a fear there that you're not addressing and that that might be affecting your sex life? Oh, there still. is. And she's also told me point blank – if I were, ever was to get pregnant, I 1,000% would keep it. I'd never have an abortion. Jesus pregnant. Christ. Okay, I, I respect that, but let's not get you pregnant. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm on the pill. Let's not do that. Wait, wait. The pill is your contraception with this girl? Yeah. Oh, mate. Mate. Yeah. Are, you, are you an idiot? What do you mean? <laughs> what? Ninety nine point eight percent effective, or whatever. Oh my god! So one time out of a hundred, it's not going to be effective. Is that what you're telling me? And not what's worse, right? That ninety eight percent effectiveness is only if you do it. You're you don't have any control in this situation. She she's the person who didn't even tell you she was a virgin until the time. You don't know what she's saying to you is true. You've given up this level of control to somebody who might be deceptive. Well, maybe that's my psychological barrier. I don't know. Well, no wonder. Yeah. Oh, Jake, you're killing me with this stuff. <laughs> like, you can't be this promiscuous but not be in charge of it yourself. That's why I want to get a vasectomy. That's not... A vasectomy A vasectomy isn't, isn't protection. You've got to you got to double up on this stuff, mate. <laughs> I, if I were you, I wear two condoms. <laughs> maybe you need to. Maybe you need to be thinking like that. Yeah, she's on the pill, but what are you doing? Um, I'm trusting her. You're trusting her. Yeah. Well, good luck with trusting everything for the rest of your life in the hands of somebody you've known for probably a month. Right? Good on you doing that. Yo, when you put it like that, it makes you sound like an idiot. Well, this is. This is the. This is not common. No, I. What you're doing is co- is everybody does it, right? Yeah. I get that. I get that. I just. Um, I think it. Uh, the reason I hassle you about it is because I care about you. Yeah. I don't care necessarily what happens to other people. I do care about what happens to you, and 
um, it's it's at the same time I'm ribbing you out of jest. I have a genuine fear that the rest of your life might be determined by choices you didn't make. And I don't feel good about that. And mm. I I hope that sometimes me ribbing you about it actually actually helps you to make the decision because I, I'm obviously I, I do do it out of love and care. Yeah. But I do think you should be in charge of what's happening and I realize that might make sex less enjoyable for you if you're going with a condom. Oh, but mate, I, I, th- yeah, maybe it's just that I don't, I don't want. You know that she's a hundred percent going to keep it. I like if I was, if I was that. Now I, there are some people who say that women's bodies are women's bodies and they should be in complete char- charge of what happens with them. And I think okay, but that's that's great. Been in the. In the idea of a relationship, you would hope the big decisions in your life are shared. But it takes a long time to get to that point. You don't have, right now, you're like a month in, you don't have a length of time where you could have a conversation and be an equal party to a conversation about her body. Yeah. You know, it. it there are some people who have who have relationships that last decades but still really don't have that connection with somebody where where even decisions about their own body are group decisions. It's something that happens over time when you're getting to know someone and you trust them with your mm. life. You know, it gets to a point where you have a conversation about the the real choice of uh, when I when I'm eventually in the hospital, this is how I want you to turn me off and and how do you feel about that are you going to be all right you know it's not a decision necessarily about what you want it is a proper joint decision yeah i i just people are so fallible and even if she has the best of intentions it's possible that she could set about a course where hundreds of thousands if not a million dollars across the next 10 years of your life is going to someone you're not with to support a child you didn't want. If I if I had a child with someone though, and yeah. uh, they were intent on keeping it, I I think that would be enough for me to say, well, let's do it together. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're compatible. No, you're any- Well, this is the thing. So I I find like this girl and I we really get on. We're very compatible. She's like I said, she's really pretty and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm not sure. I find <laughs> I find her too agreeable. Uh, mm. That's definitely a thing. Uh, not only with the, not only with the, uh, just telling me what I want to hear kind mm. of stuff, but just in all aspects of life. But then she's also uh, everything is great. Like she cooked me dinner last night. It was an incredible dinner. Uh, we had this vegetarian dinner that she cooked. She did these mm-hmm. homemade croutons that she baked in the oven and stuff. And we had it with a salad. And then she made up these um, mm. sweet potato. It was. Absolutely delicious. Sounds delicious. Together, we'd have a combined salary of over two hundred grand. Yeah, like that's awesome. That's great. That's plenty to raise a kid with and have a mortgage and stuff. Um, I just don't know that I'm really getting the emotions that I need to be getting and should be feeling. But then I, but this is what I, this is why I brought in the the fears that I had because I turned the emotions off while I was going through that unknown period. So I don't know whether I need to give it time for them to kick back in now and mm-hmm. see where it goes or if it's just not the right partner. For sure. I just want to present as this is something I've said to a couple of guys when they're um, when they're talking about 
uh, or whether they should be the one who's who's handling the contraception and stuff like that. Um, a lot of guys, when it comes to the idea of a, a kid happening, they're like, oh, well, look, if that happened, I would make X choice. They say the same thing you would say. Yeah. And they go, well, actually, the, you know, me and this girl get along pretty well. Let me just put a scenario to you and it will change everything. Right. You ha- Think about raising a kid with the girl. Now think about raising the kid with the next boyfriend of that girl. So now not only do you have to spend the rest of your life with her, but you have to spend the rest of your life with her new boyfriend after your relationship fails and just pictures of the sort of guy that comes along after a relationship with you and then decide, because you, you know what I mean? There, there could be a third or fourth party in this that you aren't even aware of that because of the, do you get that? Yeah, but this is this is all like it's a okay. So if that happens, and then under that, we're doing what if analysis here. This is what well, this is called. Sure, I would say we're doing probability almost. Yeah. Okay, because we're talking about the the one point five percent probability if the kid has happens if you stay together versus if you break up, and then if you were to break up, what the potential is of the next boyfriend to be someone that you don't get on with versus someone you do get on with. If that was to happen in the, for, I don't know, like we're we're branching off, like we've gone about four or five branches down. I don't think so. I really don't think it's that far removed because we're talk we are talking about ifs, but what is the most likely scenario? And if the if the percentage is ninety eight point five, that means one and a half for every one hundred times you have sex. Okay, so that. Just think about that, what that really means. But there's also, like, I mean, I know it's a probability game, but it doesn't mean that one that one out of every 100 times you're going to get pregnant. It means no, that one but, out of every 100 times you're not but that's protected. And that's also if if the contraception is effective. That means the, did the other person do it right? Yeah. Did they lie to you about doing it? How does the actual the other person actually feel about having kids. Do you, have you known them long enough to know that they wouldn't manipulate you? I, I, I mean, I'm a, without tooting my own horn, I'm a pretty good read of people and I, I... To a point, okay? But just remember what you're judging the, the... Like, you might be a really good reader of people. Yeah. 98.5% of the time... They could eat, yeah. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And the more times you have sex, the more you're starting to weigh. But those chances the compound. rest of your life. So <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. They compound. Look, I just think that if if something went wrong, you would want to have been the person who actually made the choice, not the person who put trust in somebody else. She forgot that's one true. day. She did something else, and you know, just just think about it. Just, yeah. I want everyone to think about that. That if you, it's a thing to think about. It's it's the kind. Of, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and it, for all, for all you know, it's the perfect scenario. You and Miss Agreeable are you know meant for each other, and that it'll all happen. But God, I would want to make that not decision and not have that decision made for me. Yeah, and I'm sure that everybody else would want the same. <sighs> yeah. I, I um 
I was just thinking the other day about I've got a friend who dated a girl for quite a while and then after one drunken night out had a hookup with that girl's sister after they were no longer together. Mm. Got her pregnant and now they're married. And they've got two beautiful children. They're happily married. It's it's going great. But he met her because he was dating her sister. And I that's I guess that's just hazy for you though, isn't it? I don't do you know a guy who um who she said she was on the pill and do you know a person like that? Because I do know a person like that. Where they lied about being on the pill to get a baby daddy. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I do. Do I? I'm Look, I'm sure if you actually spoke to all of the guys you knew, there'd be someone. There's someone out there who was lied to, was deceived. Um, and certainly on the other way, the guy who said he put on the condom. Is there he, something you want to tell me, Tom? I'm telling you, I've heard those stories from so many women uh, about that, and then I've also heard the other side. And I've, I've remember, I just remember there's this guy who was a friend of mine growing up. He, um, he and the girl had a, um, they had unprotected sex. They had a kid together. Yeah. And then I think I may have mentioned this before in the podcast where he ended up in court because she didn't want to give him custody, and she lied and said that he had touched the. Yeah. And eventually, she she recanted. But and she got some she got some penalty for that, but by then the the kid was three or four years older and he missed out on like say ages three to six I think he wasn't able to see her and it was completely stressful and nearly ruined his life. Mm. It's really yeah, when fun. you think about the the breadth of scenarios, only a few of them are good, and it is really hard to find someone you actually want to spend the rest of the life your life with and they also want you and then they both also are going to put the right amount of energy and effort into it and then somehow it works out like there's so many things that need to go right these the most likely scenarios is that it will go wrong and the more times you compound those you know you said compound i'm actually thinking that's the right word for this the more times you compound those scenarios you could have a perfect relationship with miss agreeable but miss new year's um literally might come back to you next month and be like, uh, look, I know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Except I didn't have an orgasm with her either. But that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean anything. You don't know what and that I, means. Well, I actually, I don't remember if I used a condom with her or not. I think I did. I th- Mate, oh, maybe I didn't. I, I don't know. It was so long Jake, ago. this is just for you. It's, <laughs> for, it's for your, yeah. it's for your yeah. benefit I say it. I, it's just because I care and obviously a lot of my life is spent around um, making sure that my son has a good life and he's, I've got the funds to look after him and, and all of this. And uh, I just want uh, other guys, that if they're going into that scenario, that they're fully aware of what they're going into. My, my thing at the moment with this girl is that like we're spending time together, having great times, you know, we're cooking dinners and mm. going for beach walks and hanging out. We do genuinely really get on and she really, really likes me. Like she, she is really head over heels and I haven't got those feelings yet and I don't know whether I'm leading her on by not having it and just pretending everything's fine and trusting that they'll develop or if if I just need to nip it in the bud because it's not happening. Are you sensing that she's she's moving on feelings faster than you? Oh yeah. 
Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh, that's that is a that's a problem. Um, but I think that that's not so much uh, because because I I was her first boyfriend. You know, first love. It, it's nat- that's a natural thing with her first partner. For for me, like I said, I I shut those emotions off pretty quickly when I felt I had a scare there, and I don't know whether it's I just need to give it time for them to kick back in, and then I'm going to be really really happy and lovely. Do I need to meet her? Are you, you guys at? Her if you like. Are we at that point where I could meet her? You could meet her. Um, Maybe we go do a. Um, Come out for dinner if you want. Meet yeah. her for dinner. Yeah, like maybe something like that would be a good idea where where you get that perspective. I, I just wonder whether there's either something you're not seeing that's pretty obvious or you know, maybe you just need to be reminded how good she is. Yeah. You know, something like that. Get your take on it. It would that if it's helpful at some point, you know. Yeah. But um Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, it's it's it gets scary at the beginning of the relationship. You would hope that I love yous in the sort of three-month area. They're, they're not there yet. Not for either of us. Good. She's had a few questions about, you know, what are we really? Are we dating? Are we boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing? And I I just said, well, I'm, I am I was really honest. And I said, I, I don't really think we're, we're – I think we're dating. Mm. You know, it, we're going on dates and we're dating. I don't, I'm kind of reluctant to put any other labels on it than that. Mm. And – I said, and she said, she actually said, yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy coasting as we're going now. I don't, there's no need to rush things and just take it how it goes. She, she didn't want to feel like I was, you know, just using it. Like I said, we're having a lot of sex. She, mm. I think she felt like yeah. maybe we're having too much sex. And I'm like, well, no, like we could do whatever. Um, you've, it's, it's dangerous when you get someone that's so agreeable though, because they'll just do whatever you want all the time. And so I want to have sex all the time. We're having sex all the time. So now it's sort of balancing that out. And I've, I've actually made a point now of not <laughs> doing that as much. Yeah. And trying to f- try and find, try and put her in scenarios where you can see more of her. Yeah. You know, like see if you can. She really wants to go la- do laser tag. You want to <laughs> come and do laser tag? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do laser tag. It's hard hard to find a night because I don't. Or we could do a mini golf or something. But or an afternoon, we could do like next Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. Um, she, you know, try and find things that she has a natural, you know, that she's naturally she's in her element, and that she can show you. So it's not about what you want to do, but you're actually just experiencing her world a little bit. Yeah. Well, we did a walk. So. We actually met down the peninsula. Yeah. And so we went on a big walk and she showed me all the stuff. She filled me in on all the local goss. Mm. And, yeah, that was really good. And you can tell she's really passionate about that area. She's bought a block of land out there and she intends to build on it and just loves the area. And so it's it's really nice to see her when she's in that zone. Mm. Uh, she's originally from Sydney, but she's come down she's just fallen in love with Tassie. It's got... For people that haven't been, it, there is a real natural beauty to this place. There's nowhere more than a two-hour walk from the beach, but then we have rainforest and tundra and sand dunes and snow. We we get it all. Mm. There's not really anywhere quite like it, I think. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I would just try and find the stuff that she's going to be in her element, 
she's going to rev- naturally she's going to make all the decisions in because she knows it so well. Yeah. Places that she's super comfortable and familiar. I think it's the way to go, man. Yeah. But I, there's nothing wrong with having heaps of sex in the beginning of your relationship. Oh, you we know? haven't so much. There is nothing wrong with that at all. It'd be good if you could get an orgasm from it, though. Tell you what. You know, that's you. And as long as you're having fun, maybe that's actually, I, I suppose it would probably work out in her benefit quite a lot. Maybe we should just work on, like, butt stuff. But I also wonder, like, do you just need a little bit more stimulation? You know? A, I always have. A choke, a punch, a... Nothing like, like that. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's Wait, are you saying choke me and punch me? Well, yeah, maybe you need something. Do you know, I, like what? What do you? What is it that you need that you're not getting? Or is it? I don't know. It could be that, um, you know, you're you're very intelligent, and your mind is probably on all of the time. It's thinking about scenarios and and weighing consequences and and you know planning and stuff like that. It could just be that just naturally with the sort of person you are, you need to. You need to find also ways to just keep you connected in your body. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Oh, plus, um, <laughs> after watching, oh, I can't spoil it, but I watched this movie the other <laughs> night and then during sex I was thinking about the ending to the movie. <laughs> and we, we actually talked about this movie the other night at length and we're talking about like, did the ending make sense or not? And I'm thinking about that while I'm having sex and I'm like, no wonder I can't orgasm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine that's a, that's a thing for girls too. They they often, you know, they have to get out of their heads and, yeah. and sometimes you have to help them with that yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I might. That's, that's good. But I, it's, it's, you just work on stuff that connects you, you know? I think so. Like, and this is the thing. I, I, I want to give the time to see if the emotions come, mm. but I don't know if there should be a cutoff point or not. Well, I think the, I think you should set one for yourself, for your own benefit because what what you don't want is this relationship balance especially if she's new to to them she might not be able to track where what do you think is a good cutoff point i would be expecting that if you don't know that you could love this person by three months i would i was going to say three months I've had a lot of three months since where i ended things i'm not expecting that you may be fully in love but like you should have a yeah. Idea. Sometimes when you've had a lot of series of relationships, which you have, you've met a lot of people and stuff, it's hard to for them to sort the others to sort of filter out and you'd be focused on somebody as a true person and, a, and as somebody a part of your life. A friend of mine has talked about this thing called pair bonding. Mm-hmm. So the more partners you have, the more difficult it is to establish a long-term emotional connection with someone. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's true. And so it could be that the problem is just me. Yeah, um, but just give it a bit of time. I, time fixes so many things. Yeah. But what we don't want to happen is that across those three months, she is now completely infatuated with Jake. She loves the Jake. She wants the Jake all the time. And you are, by then, you're going to find it really hard to get on her level. Yeah. That's the bit that you... Um, and. I don't know how you do that, you know, because you also you don't want to interfere with her process. You know, you can't really say to her, "Hey, I need you to just make sure you keep this slow." I so I stayed over there last night, mm-hmm. and I've come. Yesterday, I spent all day helping my mother with my sister's move out. My sister's got a place now, uh, which is great. It's like a uh, government assisted housing commission house. 
And so she's moving out. Amazing. It is It is dream come true for her and for, I think for mum and me as well. It just means that we all have a bit of breathing room. Uh, it's not going to be easy and I don't think it's the best area. There are some sketchy-looking people about in the area. I think the people across the road are probably drug druggies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's some anxiety there. My my mother is really concerned for my sister's safety and stuff, which I get. And I think my sister's a bit nervous because it means that she's going to have to become a lot more on top of bills. She'll have expenses that she doesn't otherwise have and yeah. she's not really made of money now. And so I think she'll struggle a bit to begin with. And Can I make a recommendation? Yeah. This is going to push you, but uh, considering your relationship with your sister while you live together, I recommend trying to give her a call every now and again. Oh, absolutely. Every yeah. two weeks maybe with the idea that you go over and actually, you know, do you want to do some weeding with me at the front of your house? Yeah. I'll come and help for a couple of hours and, you know. Um, and if you can spend each other, uh, spend a bit of time where she feels that you actually, you're there and you're supporting her, the chance that she's not going to, like, it'll pay off for you too, because she's not going to want to come home. I can, I can say the, uh, the last week when I've been at work, we've had a completely different relationship. We've been really good with each other. Uh, but my mum... And I have been working the last two days to clear out furniture from the garage so that we uh, we have room to put her stuff into so that when the two men in the van come to do the removal uh, stuff, yeah. Yeah. they can easily get to it and stuff. And my mum's had a bit of a rant because my sister is just really entitled and doesn't understand how entitled she is. And she's had a big fight with mum this morning over stuff. Mm. And it's like, well, the last two days we've been doing all of this for you. Mm. And my sister's like, no, you're doing this for you because you get space now. You're not doing it for me. It's like everything we've done in the last two days has been for you. We're not, we wouldn't be doing this if you weren't leaving. We're doing this to help you. And so, and then, yeah, every, every other conversation there's been a few things. And then my uncle came over with his van to help us do this tip run and, uh, my sister sort of made this comment like, oh, my friend can't help me put up blinds in order to try to raise the topic with my uncle of like, come over and put up my blinds. And my mum said, he's not, he's not going to do that. He's not, he can't put up blinds. He's, you know, he's a practical guy. He worked as a painter by trade. He's retired now. He's got a van. He's helping out tremendously by letting us use his van. But he's not, you can't, it's... Expecting too much to ask a relative who you never call or talk to other than when they come to you mm. to do your blinds for you. And so, yeah, my sister was really angry that my mom said, no, he's not doing that. That's asking too much. He can do a, he'll do a tip run gladly because we can help him load up the truck. But you're sort of taking the piss a bit if you're saying, come over and do this manual work for me. Mm. And so my sister said, oh, well, if if Jake needed a tip run, I'm sure he'd do a tip run for, for Jake. And so it's it, it, she's, she's just getting this uh, real – and then she sort of said to me, I, I said, look, we've been working really hard for the last two days. Can we just drop it? 
And she said, no, but my point is, you didn't like when I just used your name in this by bringing this into you. It was uncomfortable, wasn't it? That's exactly what mum is doing to me. Do you not see what she's doing to me? And so she's having this conversation with me in front of mum and stuff, and I'm just like, let's just leave it. And I, I always think if you can if you can cut through what, the actual problem that you're – the symptom of the problem that you're dealing with and to, to the real issue, she's probably going to be feeling – some pretty typical things as she leaves. She's going to be feeling like maybe you guys don't care about her. She's going out on her own. So maybe there's a bit of fear there. Uh, a lot of these things could be could be fear responses. I think a lot of it is because so there's, so there's no point when somebody's afraid. There's no point in, in going. That's not what's happening. I would just try and cut through when she's talking about going. I and she starts getting a bit that way. Instead of de- talking about what she's actually saying to you, ignore what she's saying and say, you know, um, I think that I'm going to give you a call every now and again and maybe we could hang out a little bit once uh, once you're in your new place. And she'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to – and just be like, well, I can just imagine that you're going through a lot of feelings and obviously we're, we're trying our best to help, but – Regardless, I just want you to know that you are cared for, and yeah, you know, it, that's like, a really good idea. And it, it'll just bring it back down to the level because she she doesn't believe that you guys are going to care for her when she's not directly in front of her, you, mm-hmm. and she's had all of this ability to control you and manipulate you because you were there. She's not going to. Ha- she's going to lose all that control. Yeah. Right, so she even with her messed up thinking, she's probably she's probably even has fear about that. I think, yeah, um, so. I think, uh, you know, you can. We, is she worried actually about her blinds going up? Because she could put up the blinds. Somebody else could put up the blinds. A handyman, but sometimes you need to be told that as well. The first time I moved up, I'm like moved out i'm like how does this stuff happen to the house when the stuff's going wrong in the house you know it's like you have to find a guy you have to find the the plumber yeah oh she's already been onto the housing people because all the other houses have a fly screen security door and she doesn't it's like well i don't want to move in because i don't feel safe yet and so she's had the property for the last week but she hasn't moved isn't it hers uh it's hers for 12 months uh, and then it'll renew. But like, you know, how, how hard is a fly screen to put on? Yeah. I, I, I think, um, I don't know if I would put one on, I don't, but I, 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 I have a guy who yeah. I get to do jobs like that. It yeah. probably, probably 60 bucks would be enough as long as I had the fly screen. Can you give me the number later? <laughs> like, uh, do you I'll know what I mean? i and get one. Yeah. That's, but that's, that's it. Yeah. So but they just help her through the the process, and same with mom. She's going to be going through stuff. She might fight with you about things, and just just when somebody's yelling at you, just try to disassociate for a moment and don't defend yourself. Just stop and look at the situation. What are they actually trying to tell me? Yeah. And most of the time, it's a nice feeling. It's like I want. They want comfort. They want to not be afraid anymore. Mm. They want to to know. Th- they're still going to have things like it's it's like really basic needs and if you can cut through the guff you might you might just have a better relationship i might even say to her like let's do tuesday night dinners or something i would go something with that has no pressure and actually helps her 
why don't you set up that on Saturday mornings, you, um, you know, twice a month, you just give her a call, see how she's going. And then if, if she's free, you know, you go around and you help do some cleaning, you know, do something that's, that's going to actually help her house. She might have a bit of painting to do, you know, oh, yeah. she might have a bit of um, weeding out the front. She's probably, I'm guessing based on her physicality, she probably doesn't like doing a what lot she of physical would do, stuff. What she would do is she she wouldn't do any housework until I got got there, though. She would find a way out. Like, if, I can't extend that as a set olive branch. It would need to be a sporadic, like, well, I'm free. Let's. I would make it a sporadic because yeah. then the pressure isn't there. Yeah. And I would be like, uh, I'd be making sure she does it with you. And if she doesn't do it with you, just be like, look, uh, I'm, I've got some stuff I'm going to go do, but it was really good to catch up with you. Like, make it a, try and make it, fun that if if you somehow end up doing dishes with her that it's an enjoyable thing you're learning about her house and you're chatting as you do it or something yeah but if you end up doing stuff for her just go around less yeah you know what i mean yeah see if you can get her sort of work in that way where you know she does have somebody that she has to you know you you sort of i don't know about you but you clean the toilet when somebody's coming around do you know what i mean yeah. It's the same thing. We don't know what sh- style of how messy she's going to be or how, how things might go. She might be really on top of stuff. But having people regularly coming around is going to help her um, get some accountability for herself and the way she's living, I reckon. Yeah. And it'll also, if you're helping her in the stuff that she feels really funny about, like how to thread a whippersnipper, you know, she's probably going to have to do her own lawn maintenance. Yeah. Or not, you know, you could go, you could do a cheap, a cheap, uh, you know, $90 a month um, Jim's mowing or something. She doesn't like have much. She does have a lawn, but there's not much to it. I don't think it'd cost much to get someone in. Yeah. Yeah. Might be, there might be, uh, you know, help her go through the, the local Facebook page yeah. for that area, find yeah. the person who does it each month. and She's right next to Eastlands as well. So oh, it's, it's amazing. Nice and convenient. Um, yeah. There'd be tons in that area. Yeah. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Well, how are we going for time? Where are we up to? Well, we're, we're already at one hour 45. Why don't we do some reviews? All right. You got one? The movie that I watched the other day. Which is? The Borderlands. Oh, yeah. Now, you finally saw the fan footage. <laughs> I, should, I should say we had some confusion around The Borderlands mm-hmm. uh, because I went to watch it. And uh, I obviously, I'm not going to watch it legally. I'm going to illegally torrent it because that's all I have now. I've cancelled my streaming services. Oh, I should mention, though, this movie is almost impossible to buy. Right. I don't think you could buy it. It's, right. um, uh, what is it, 2007 found footage, maybe? It's a great film. Maybe 2011. And it, uh, it's... Uh, I, I don't think it's on any streaming service. I, I think it's in my... Google Play library is a wish list waiting for them to release it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think you can get it in Australia. And it's uh, called Final Prayer um, in some territories as well. Yeah. Well, this is what the confusion was. So I downloaded a movie called The Borderlands and uh, Tom was saying, oh, yeah, you really like this found footage horror. And I thought, okay, great. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, Satanist kind of, well, not Satanist, but evil stuff going around. Ori. And I thought, okay, great. So I downloaded The Borderlands and I put it on and I'm watching it. I'm like, this doesn't really seem like a found footage film. And 
the first scene is like these two police investigating a uh, old derelict building and they got these flashlights and they're going around and it is like a satanic house of worship or something. There's, you know, dead bones and things. And so I messaged Tom and I, I said, have I got the right film here? And he said, the first logo of the film is this. And I'm like, right, well, I didn't see any logos. Maybe my version just doesn't have the logos included. And I'm like, is the first scene two guys with the flashlights investigating this thing? And he's like, yep, that's the one. That's the one. I'm like, great, I've got the right film. And so I watched about an hour. I'm like, this is not a found footage film. And it's about these guys going out into Mexico on a after-college binge when you eventually got to the real The Borderlands, did yeah. you notice the first scene is the exactly the same? <laughs> yeah, two guys with flashlights investigating an old building. So, what are the chances that two two films called The Borderlands have the same intro scene? Yeah, yeah, it was insane. It was, um, it well, I yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. It was just well, a, let's hear about could, the actual film. So, the final um, prayer. Yep, it is a found footage film, mm-hmm. uh, UK based. And it's different from other found footage films in that it's an investigation going, taking place into a miracle that has been reported at this old church. And so the Vatican City or the the clergy or the archdiocese or whatever have sanctioned the investigation and so they've, they've contracted this tech guy to come out and install these cameras everywhere and then be there for the investigation. And so he goes out first, sets up all the cameras, and there's cameras all over the church, there's cameras all over the dwelling where they're residing, and they all wear these head cams, kind of like uh, Terminator-style laser. They they go on your – you wear them like a headband and it's just a camera off the side of your face. Mm. And so at all times, all characters have different cameras, which is immediately great from other found footage things because it means that you can cut to other camera angles you can see the perspective of each person instead of just what is in the eye of the beholder of the video camera. And so that's that's really refreshing because even when not everybody can see what is going on, they might be over in the corner looking at something and their attention is focused on something. You can cut to a, to a wide-angle room camera and see, well, there's actually something ominous happening behind them that they're not aware of yet. Mm. Whereas that doesn't really happen in other found footage films because it's always a point of view. Mm. So you get that sort of dramatic irony. That's a really good observation. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah, but it, it just means that you're you're aware of things happening that the characters are not yet aware of. And that can add that tension. I found the movie really creepy. I, I find um, I like I don't like horror films. I watch them because I've learned to to stomach them. But I find it really uncomfortable. Quite often, I have to remind myself it's just a movie. There's a director and a whole production team right behind this camera, and they're all just waiting to go home. Hmm. And I have to do that in films because I get too roped in and and on the edge of my seat. Mm. And there were multiple times in this movie where I had to do that. And I think it's because they do a really good job of setting up that tension. So in this movie, before something evil happens, there's always a glitch in the footage. It always clips. And so when you see that clip, you know, oh God, something's about to happen. 
And I think your own imagination is what takes flight then because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And there was one, there was one point where uh, one of the guys went into a room and the door closed behind them. And that was enough for me. I'm like, right, something's going to happen now. This guy's cut off from the others. I need to go to sleep without a nightmare. I'm going to pause and watch the rest of the morning. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> and you just don't get that in other found footage movies. I think the Blair Witch, was that the first found footage movie? Uh, no, but it's it's certainly the one that popularised it. That that one, I think, was incredible. Mm. And I think the movies since then that I've seen that have been found footage have all been quite good. I wasn't really big on the paranormal activity. I found that kind of dull and boring, didn't find it scary at all, which is funny because I know other people that have found that terrifying. But I just don't think it did the best it's, setup yeah. in the way that this one did. The, I quite enjoy those movies, but they are not of the quality. They they're they're like they're the B level to what is already a B level genre. Yeah. So that's the that's the real problem that they face. Mm. I can't tell you how good it feels to recommend something to somebody and they actually liked it and watched it. I, I tell you, I was on a complete just like personal hive with you telling me <laughs> that you watched this movie yeah. and you liked it because I. I you know, recommending a okay, we're in the genre B level genre found footage. It's not as good as other genres. A horror movie, you naturally don't like them. I already know that, and I'm recommending one that's you know obscure, hard to find, all of these things. I was like, the chance that Jake's actually going to be digging this is really low. And then you called me, and you were like, yeah, it's great. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I got that same feeling, though, when I recommended to you Mr. Inbetween. Oh, Mr. Inbetween, so good. Yeah. Yeah, every time I think about it now, I just go to my happy place. You, <laughs> you mentioned the words and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's It's great. a good film. Um, I've got a horror movie I want you to watch next. Okay. Which is Relic that is available on Stan. Mm-hmm. You could also torrent it, I think, but it's not – I think it's a – was – made by Stan for Australia. Okay. Good acting. It's a horror movie. It's got a bit of a soul to it. I highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. I'll add it to the list. Yep. Um, okay. Which do I watch first then? Relic or Alien? I want you to watch Alien with me. Okay. Because I actually, I love that film. Yeah. And I've just got the 4K version. Oh, yeah, it's a stunner. It's an absolute stunner. We can talk during it because it's the sort of movie you can talk during. It is a horror, though. Yeah, um, not a science fiction. It's a science fiction horror. And then Aliens is a completely different experience too. So if you've seen Alien, um, which Aliens the horror sci-fi, Aliens is the action sci-fi, and they they're almost completely different. You seen Terminator Two? Yeah. So you know just how good James Cameron is at action sequences. Yeah. Alien's got a lot of that. Alien's it, got heaps of that in it. Do you think it's rare for a sequel to genre hop like that? It is pretty rare. It's rare for sequels to be good. Yeah. And um, I think Empire Strikes Back, You know, I, I watched a documentary on that the other day. Yeah. And just how amazing it was when they – so Empire is directed by a different director – overseen by George Lucas. Yeah. George Lucas, I think, directed the first 
Star Wars. And when he was handing it over to the new guy, he said the um, he wasn't the new guy. The new director wasn't actually a science fiction director. He was a drama um, sort of director. And he said, George said to him, "You need to make this so good that Star Wars becomes a thing, because if you if this film isn't good, there's no more Star Wars. That's it. It will kill the entire thing. We need to make sure this one's good." They went in with that mentality and you just look, uh, everyone can objectively say that Empire Strikes Back is the best of the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's brilliant. The way it conveys information. Uh, I also, well, I watched the Harrison Ford scene about the, I love you, I, I know. know. And apparently he was meant to respond with, I love you too. And he, they were just fighting over it. It wasn't working when they were doing it. And. Um, I think it was the director just said, he just ye- yelling at them. He said, look, just just take the character, Harrison, just make it, just do it. Whatever comes out, let's let's do that. And that's when he said, I know. I never really got that line though. Like, I love you, I know. Is he, is he, why is he saying that? What do you mean? Well, that's such a cocky thing to say. Is that just why he said it? No, he's. It, it's it is cocky. It's like I'm about it to die. It is cocky, but he knows that he's he's probably dying, and he's letting her know that he knows that she cares for him. That's why she she feels desperation that he might go with. So he was being really sincere in that moment. Sort of, but sincere within his character limit. Right. Okay. His character is a cocky, uh, not particularly sentimental person. I believe the word is nerf herder. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, yes, genre hopping, that's where we got, we're talking about. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't happen a lot, but... Can you think of any other examples? There, there was one the other day that I was thinking about with a video game, and it's the same thing. Oh, Jack and Daxter. That was a massive genre hop from oh, two yeah? three. Did you play those? No, but I, that's not the one I was thinking of either. It's okay. even a, a more mainline one, and it might have been like a Mario game or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it it happens in it happens in a few things and changes yeah. changes everything. I mean, it's funny because you've got like Mario Tennis, and you can't really call that a genre hop. It's just no, no. Out. But I yeah, uh, the difference between Jack da- Jack and Daxter one and two, and then three. Like in Jack and one. It's like you're this adventure play area, you know, all the hut, all the buildings are made out of wood, they're huts, and, you know, you've, you're collecting energy orbs and stuff and running around the countryside. And mm-hmm. um, in Jack 3, you're in, you're like, you've got a hover bike and you're cruising around in this post-apocalyptic city. And it just doesn't feel like the same game at all. There's mm. no action adventure exploratory stuff it's all this well it's it's I, I don't know it's been 20 years since i played it but i remember at the time thinking this isn't what i liked yeah yeah awesome yeah so you're gonna try relic next yeah so yeah i mean in terms of a star rating for the final prayer ah <sighs> it, it it is capped by i think it's genre so i i can guess what you're gonna give it it's still a good one Regardless of what you give it, though, I, I'd say it's a four. Yeah, I'd say that because of because of the genre. It, yeah, I I think the purpose of horror is to 
be scary. And I found this scary, not in, it was not really jumpy scary, but it was that sort of, oh God, I can't, I can't imagine what's going to happen next. And it gets to you that way, mm. kind of scare. And because of that, I, I thought it was really, really worth a, a solid mark. I went back and watched Relic to, to, because I was going to recommend it to you and I wanted to make sure it was good. Okay. You know, I'm finding that I care a lot about my recommendations nowadays. So when I recommend something, I'm actually going back and checking myself just to be sure. Uh, I'm not going to rate Relic because you're going to watch it. Okay. That's up next for you. Um, Let me just have a look through. I haven't written anything new. I am playing Dying Light 2, the video game. Well, that's a horror, isn't it? No, I would say I would say it's action. It's open world action um parkour collectathon. So Zombie very Zombie though, isn't it? Yes, it's got I mean it's got horror elements. Does it have the scary moments? I don't think so, no. The scariest uh, there's a couple of points in the game that actually make my like my stomach turn and they're yeah. all related to the parkour system in the game. Right. So you you have the ability to run and jump and l- ledge grab and all of these things and it makes the world become a playground. But there's a couple of the times where you go to do a jump and then you realise that you're not going to make it yeah. and you fall to your death and because it's first person, they, they make my stomach sort of turn <laughs> sideways. I really, they are really scary. Yeah. Uh, those moments and the fear is so instant because it hits you like this and you're scared that yeah. you're you realize you're about to die that's how that's what it's like on this big screen i i think of games that have made me scared i remember the jurassic park on the super nintendo when mm-hmm. i was about eight going inside the visitor center and it goes into the goggle view and you can hear the dinosaurs behind you but they might not even be in the room you're in that's scary. <laughs> and again, it comes down to that whole idea of it's not here yet, but I know it's coming. Yeah. And I think the thing that did that really, really well in recent game history is Last of Us. Turning on the generator in the basement. Oh. That was a and tense you, moment. You haven't done Last of Us 2, have you? No. No, but that you moment. You just wait. You yeah. just wait. <laughs> just wait. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, should we wrap this up and say goodbye to our fellow folks? I know that I promised that we would get to my son's first day of school. We haven't got that, but I'm happy to leave it for another week. Do we? Is it a long? Is it a? Well, I, I actually have a list of things to go over that we haven't talked about at all. Right. Is uh, there a little quick one we could do? Yeah, there's a little quick one. I was talking to somebody who got um, who got let go of at work. So somebody who doesn't work there anymore, and they were concerned that the that the work was reading their emails. They what they think happens is that if, depending on the size of an organization, most of them have an exchange service system for your email, yeah, and then through exchange it applies a security profile to your phone. The the security and uh, ability privacy stuff changes with different uh, employers. So I remember, for instance, Utah's when we work there, their security profile allowed them to remotely shut down your phone 
in the case of you lost it and it was it contained private sensitive data. They had the ability to remotely stop your phone. However, this person was telling me that the that their emails were being read and that sometimes they, the proof for them was one day they're receiving an email and it gets marked as read while they're watching it but they didn't they didn't actually read it. And I immediately put a quash on this. I said, look, they, you are massively over, over, um, you're, you're giving them way too much credit. The people at work can barely run email systems. And there is a, there isn't a way, there is a way that the IT provider, whose member is an external provider, can take control remotely of computers that are on the domain inside the building. Yeah. They cannot remotely control your home computer because you've installed Exchange on on your system. That's impossible. Can't it can't be done. And they mentioned like TeamViewer and stuff like that. Yeah. And I said no, you would have to agree to that with TeamViewer. And you usually have to type in a code and it, you can set up like hackers and stuff like that can set up remote watching and all of this but like this is a you're talking about an IT provider and what this person thought was that the organization we work for was then going to the IT provider and saying hey can you spy on this person because we're thinking of letting them go so that we can read their emails and we want to know everything they're doing on their computer and that this that 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 IT provider is then saying yes and then charging the us for that time cuz what that is that's that's corporate espionage <laughs> do you know what i mean like that's that is such a breach of privacy they, and there would be proof at no, you're talking about two companies being complicit in it and while one company you could say we could say that the organization we work for has a vested interest in looking at some of your personal emails if it relates to them in some circumstances. But what you can't say is the external provider is willing to risk their entire business yeah. on on doing something illegal. Was he was he talking about his personal emails or his work emails? They were thinking my boss sees everything. So it's not difficult. You could you could ask the IT provider to say, can you give me access to their mailbox? And then it just appears in your Outlook. And so when they get a new email, you see it, you can click on it. It's just like a shared mailbox, only it's one person's email assigned to two people. It's like being logged in in two places. That's, Absolutely. That's easy. Very easy. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to remoting into another person's computer and stuff, there's – or – going into their private Gmail or something like that, that's a little bit different. I, I said to them, I said to them, there is no way that an external IT provider is looking at your private email under any circumstances. Yeah. The Because they're, they're being paid for a job, they would not risk the entirety of their business on that sort of privacy concern. They do not have the, the right, even if you logged into your personal email on the, the computer – they would tr- be trying to close out of that because of the obvious privacy concern. And I think this helped them change their mind a little bit. And we're talking about an IT provider who I don't even think is very smart. You know, 
we're not talking hacker level people here. This is this is some basic corporate um, corporate stuff. They they wouldn't even know how to use a Mac or you know what I mean. Like these aren't these aren't the top people in the world for digging into computers and taking your data. My my mum and my sister had a conversation the other day, which resulted in my mum packing up every Google Home in the house because she thought that I could be using it to listen in. Did you explain to her it only records 10 seconds if you say the words Google? <laughs> I, I, I don't think she was convinced. Um, what, I, what I said instead was that... I don't know, but I found these results on search. We've got a Google here. <laughs> Um, I shouldn't have said the words. What was I thinking? I'll bleep. I'll bleep it out. The yeah. words that I said were H E Y Google, and the, I, that way it won't bleep out everybody's everybody who's listening to our podcast in their house. It won't turn on all their devices. Oh, good point. Yeah, I, yeah. I just sort of just it's like how when I'm you sensitive. get those really, really stupidly thought out ads in car radio of like police sirens they put it on like oh massive closing down sale and they put a police siren in the background of the ad terrible what a terrible idea so dangerous it should be illegal but anyway yeah so i i no longer have google homes in the house because i could secretly be using them to listen in and what i said to her was i'm actually really hurt that you think i would do that for one and two what do you think i think you're talking about that would need me to listen in. Like, do you not think I have better things to do with my time? And so I, I just, I kind of just got a bit fired up over it. I said, okay, well, look, it's it's fine for you to not use the the Google devices if you don't want to use them. I'll pack them up. That's fine. But to think that I'm using them as some kind of secret espionage to secretly listen in on your private conversations, mm. that's really hurtful to me. With my partner, there's been times where she's believed that I was looking at her phone. Yeah. I, she has told me her passcode for her phone a couple of times in our lives. For the life of me, I cannot remember it. I think I, I'm pretty good with numbers, but I think what I do is I must push that. I must try not to remember certain things. Because I, for the life of me, it's a six-digit code, and for the life of me, I cannot remember this number. So sometimes she's like, "Oh, can you, um, can you set up? Here's my phone. Can you set up uh, Netflix for our son while he's in the car?" And I'm like, "I can you use your finger or something?" Because I, and she tells me the code again, and then I do it. But like, I I barely. She has an iPhone too. I have a Android. I barely know how to use an iPhone nowadays, and I can I can't really like if the program disappears. I don't know where to get it to get it to come back. It's that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's funny that like I used to be an iPhone user, and now I'm not, and it's uh it's hard to. You got to do the gesture, but it's the the length of time you take to do the gesture. So there's a finesse to it. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting. I think one. she thinks that you are intentionally pretending to not know the code. Sometimes I think she d- she does that too, but um I also wonder whether it's not actually me that makes it intentional, but it's actually uh, unconscious because she's telling me the number. So it could be that I'm so used to her just telling me so much stuff and so, lots of it's nonsense. This is one thing that happens with um partner conversations is yeah. that okay 
blah, 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 blah. And then she did this. And then you won't believe what this person said. And then I was, and then I went in and brushed my teeth, but there was no toothpaste. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm trying to keep up. And then realizing the entirety of that story was not necessary because the punchline was that we were out of toothpaste and one of us needs to go. Do you like that happens all the time? And I'm, I'm constantly, I have to decide, is this, this person wants my attention to listen to this conversation? Is this a conversation I actually need to listen to? And remember, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm coming home from work with 50 different yeah. conversations floating around in my head, really important stuff that affects the rest of our lives, you know. And then I'm having a conversation about uh, a friend of hers who had a really a bad fall down the stairs or something. Like, I... I she was actually telling me yesterday that one of her friends had a had a fall and it took it took no joke 10 minutes to get to the to get to that point. I now don't even know what friend we were talking about. She's going to ask me, she's going to come to me and go, "Oh, it's so sad about thing, wasn't it?" And I'm going to be like, "Yeah, that was really sad." I'm going to have no idea who we were referring to because the the somewhere in that conversation, she just assumed that I was everything she says. I'm like, is this the important bit? Is this the important bit? I, I'm trying my best to listen, but it's just like an onslaught. And I think it's the way that um, lots of women talk to each other in this in this sort of way. And when they talk to us in it, I I don't know if it's the man brain or the fact that we're just working all the time, so our minds are so focused on on what needs to be done next. That Absolutely. We, we I, keep, I tune out. We keep waiting for the thing. Yeah. Like, is this the thing? No, is this the this thing? the thing. If I tell you a story, I will usually give you the punchline. I'll give you a little bit of a, a synopsis. If I'm even talking about a movie that I like, I'll make sure that I say its name a couple of times just so that you, I, I know that I'm conveying the right thing to you. I don't think women do that. They explain things like, like somehow you have to just be... I don't know. There's a. <laughs> I don't get it. There's a great joke. Uh, my my wife said to me, "Are you even listening to me?" And I thought it's a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I what I hate about that is women genuinely genuinely think we're not listening, but they don't realize about the content that they're actually delivering. Not in saying that. anything. They're not saying anything. Yeah. I think what women expect from other women is that they too, blah, 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 really quick. Oh, that reminds me of blah, blah, blah that happened to me. But we don't talk like that. If you bring up a subject, I listen to your subject and then I try and make the next subject a connecting subject, but I try to at least sort of finish it off. And sometimes if I think I've gone too far and I've ignored your actual point, I'll try and bring the conversation back just to hear the last bit, the what could be the most important bit i'll try and bring it back it's sort of like as you're talking to me and as guys talk to each other which sometimes guys just don't do we just spend time with doing stuff but you and i we do conversate when we're having a conversation i care about whether you like the conversation i think the women don't they they sometimes will be they'll bring up subjects that they know we won't care about Mm. I wish that they had some sort of filter the same way the filter that I give to them. I wish that they they were gener- generously enough 
to to give that back to me sometimes. And they're probably thinking, geez, he doesn't say like they probably have the same conversation though. Like, oh my god, he doesn't ever really say much, and whenever he's talking, it's always just on the thing that he's talking. Like, there's no real conversation about it. It's very blunt and to the point. And you're like, well, yeah, that's what you want in a conversation. And they're like, no. Well, this is the thing. It that is they're right and you're right. The thing is that I have the the foresight to choose that when we're gonna we're gonna have a good conversation. If we go out for dinner, we're gonna go get a pizza together. You and I are gonna have a good conversation that Who's night. Who's buying the pizza? We're, oh, I am. This <laughs> but we know that we're gonna have a good conversation, right? Yeah. However, if I'm if I'm walking up the stairs carrying a, a load of washing. Yeah. And I'm about I'm halfway through a ta- task, and I've got to close the stair door so the dog doesn't get outside. Is that a great time to tell me about your friend who had a, who just texted you to? Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm. It's not only that; it's also about the time. The when is a good time to have a good co- a conversation about something random? I I saw this happening play out today while we're doing this tip run with my uncle, mm-hmm. and so we had a heap of stuff. And one of the things was this old desk from the 60s that was made of, uh, it was an iron frame, but solid wood, not that crappy chipboard stuff. And so he took one look at the desk and said, I, I want to take the, the table part off that because wood is expensive these days. And getting a solid bit of wood like that, this is a big desk. And he said, getting a solid piece of wood like that is expensive. I could use that. I could make a whole table out of that. And so where they're like taking the screws out of this iron frame to take the, the top off and where we go pick it up and we're going to load it in the van and this is before we do the tip run. And my mum was like, oh, don't put it in the van now because they'll charge you a fortune at the, at the tip shop. And we said, well, yeah, but we're not, we're not leaving it at the tip. And she's like, yeah, but they charge you, they weigh you in when you go in. It's like, well, yeah, but they only weigh you for the things you've, they weigh you for the deficit of weight when you leave. They don't weigh you on how much you weigh. And it took mum a few minutes to for that to sink in. And she's like, oh, I'm scatterbrained. I didn't get any sleep last night. And so when, once she finally got that. But then after that, we, we loaded in this bunk bed. And she's like, oh, should we get some, should we get some blankets in there to to protect the wood? And, you know... My uncle was like, don't worry about it, it's just wood, you know, it doesn't really matter, going to chuck it out anyway. And then so she's like, oh, all right, if you say, and so she starts loading things in and she's like, is this paint can going? And he's like, yep, just chuck it in. And she goes and she carefully places it in the, like right up to the back of the van. And he's like, just chuck it, it's rubbish. And she's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, and he grabbed it out of her hands and just pegged it into the van. (laughs) She's like, doesn't matter, it's rubbish. And you could see that they were both getting annoyed with each other because she's t- trying to take care and thought into uh, protecting the wood and the van and not damaging the things that are about to be thrown out. Mm. And he's like, I just want to get this done. This is rubbish. It doesn't matter. If it breaks in there, all, all the better, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's that real disconnect between the different mindsets. Yeah. The one problem, the reason I get so fired up about it is in the two mindsets that I'm dealing with, I'm listening to what's happening. Yeah. I won't start a conversation with her about a really important work thing 
while she's doing something where she's not going to be able to concentrate on that. So I might sound like I'm just being quiet as we, you know, make dinner. But I'm actually just waiting for the the right time for the other person to be ready. Mm. I've got lots of stuff that I want to talk about. And it just, um, yeah, it's funny. You know, you spend you spend two or three hours a week talking with me like this. So you know I've got lots to say. Yeah. But we can't, I don't know, I can't talk. You can't talk about everything with them. And they, they you know, my partner just talks about so much stuff that has... Uh, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've, I think it's a, I do think that that it's related to women because often women will tell you about other women who you may never meet. Yeah, as if it's an important subject. Whereas guys, I don't think we ever like unless it was a we just celebrity. Say, oh, this guy I know. Yeah, this guy I know. But we're not going to tell you about the. Like I've literally I've been told about the the sex life of of a friend of a friend or the uh, the time that oh you won't believe what this person called this person yeah uh, I'm never going to meet either of them my my nan used to be notorious for that too though she'd get mm. really hung up on the details like oh that just reminds me last Tuesday I was hanging out at the at the shopping center was it Tuesday. <laughs> That's... No, it was definitely the second, so it must have been a Tuesday. <laughs> so it was Tuesday. Well, every guy listening to this just had flashbacks to Nam. Like that's yeah, the sort of but thing. The, so she'd say, and then I was I, I ran into Tina at the supermarket mm. on Tuesday and um she was telling me about how Jim has finally got back and so it turns out Tina's just the checkout girl. <laughs> She's talk, calling the checkout girl by name, Tina, um, who none of us know. <laughs> And and Jim is Tina's ex, <laughs> who who my nan doesn't know either, but has been told <laughs> in the story, and and so she'll be saying, and yeah, so it was just a really crazy happenstance that that Jim happened to be there because Tina was working there, and you know what, it was Wednesday, because. <laughs> And and that's how that conversation goes. And you're like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you were so good. You took me on that journey, man. That was it was so good. Uh, You've got to do another one. Do another one. <laughs> you just just you, listen back to that one. <laughs> that is that is absolutely the way that it happens. And the, you look at that conversation on paper, and isn't it ridiculously hard to follow? It's like Gilmore Girls. Do you do you remember the dialogue in that? No, I don't. No, I never. Have you ever watched it? No. Just, like, put on an excerpt from – I'm sure if you just YouTube Gilmore Girls Dialogue at its finest mm-hmm. and watch that, they've got a way of communicating that I don't think is human. And I, I feel bad for those actors because the amount of de- attention to detail in learning their lines would have been next level. I'll do that. I'm going to put on some Gilmore yeah. Girls later Great. YouTube. All right. Um, well, I think that's a, a good place to leave it. You know, yeah, go watch Gilmore Girls. Big episode. Yeah. Everyone out there, you're going to wear condoms and you're going to watch Gilmore Girls. And rate Indiana Jones. Yeah, look at the blocking in Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah rate as the Lost Ark. Great. For sure. All right, we are Pun Powers. I'm Tom. And I'm Jake. And uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs>